God today? Don't you love him? He's so real to us. Amen. God bless you. It's just so nice to be with you. We've had some wonderful meetings so far. It's just been a blessing. Amen. To serve a living God, to believe in a living word, it's not a dead letter to us, but it's a living, manifested, vindicated word. Amen. I'm just, uh, it's uh, been so wonderful to preach meetings with, with my buddies from back home, Brother Isaac and Brother Ronnie, and they just made me so proud. And I don't know if we're supposed to be proud, but we're also supposed to be honest. And I'm just proud to be associated with these brothers. So we bring you greetings from back home, and, and it's just an honor. Thank you, Brother Tim, for this opportunity. I'm very aware as I look down at my notes at waist level that I'm in another man's pulpit. <laughs> Amen. But, uh, you know, our only agenda here, amen, is to, is to bless God's people. We just want to be a help. We support this church. We believe in this ministry. It's blessed us. We just want to give, give back what we have. Amen. So I don't want to take too much time in introduction. If you just turn with me to Psalms chapter 139. But I, I just, I can't let it go without saying, as you turn there, I have to express my thanks to this church, this local assembly, for the support that you've given our youth camp there in Ohio. You know, the church, your church came together and put your funds together, got a bus, sent your young people up to be a part of our meeting, and, and they were such a contribution. And Brother Timothy's ministry with us has been life-changing, and, and uh, so we're just very grateful. Amen. Very grateful. And, you know, you know uh, as a minister, we feel so insufficient Amen. But if we have nothing else to bring uh, this morning, we just love your kids. We love your young people. They mean a lot to us. We want to help them any way that we can. Amen. Psalms 139. We'll read the first six verses there and then jump to verse 13. O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. Thou hast beset me behind and before and laid thy hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I can't attain unto it. Verse 13, for thou hast possessed my reins. Aren't you glad there's a higher power that's possessing the reins of your life. There's someone in control. Amen. Amen. Thou hast possessed my reins. Thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. And this scripture means a lot to us. I will praise thee for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashioned, when as yet there was none of them. Amen. And I don't want to keep you standing, but let's take a, a short reading in Psalms chapter 8 and take our text. Psalms 8, verses 3 and 4. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon, and the stars which thou hast ordained. And here's a very big question. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man 
that thou visitest him. What is man? And my title this morning is, That's Who I Am. That's who I am. Shall we have a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace this morning, Lord. How good you have been in our lives, Father. Through a, through a, a, a year past, a year of trials, Lord, and adversities. But you've been faithful through it all, Father. And I pray that this new year, Father, and even this service today, Lord, these meetings that we've had would be a new chapter, Lord, in the lives laying before me. May it not be, Lord, the turning of a page, turning over a new leaf, Father, not just a New Year's resolution, Lord, but a new revelation, Lord. And may your quickening power, Lord, uh, just unleash the potential in each life, Father, that we could walk a little higher, Lord, and see a little further in your word, I pray. Lord, I, I just love this church. I love these people, Lord, and, and especially these young people, Father. And you know our heart toward them, Father. I pray you'd bless them in every way, Lord. As your prophet prayed, may you bless them spiritually. May you bless them naturally, Lord, financially, materially, in every way. May, may there be not one good thing withheld from evening light tabernacle i pray that's my heart lord for these people and lord as we would just look upon your word father we take courage because your word is living and it's still a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart father we pray that you would just come amongst us now and speak to your people as we dedicate ourselves and we dedicate this service to you in the name of the lord jesus christ amen amen god bless you as you're seated today amen so we've read this scripture here this great big question what is man? Amen. What is man? And I, I, I love the Psalms because the Psalms is a book of the Bible, which is uh, David's gift as a psalmist is to put things into words which are expressing the desires of the human heart. And I think no matter who you are, how intellectual you are, how, how lowly you are, you know, uh, this is a question that's in the heart of every human being. And you know, maybe you've not asked it outright. Maybe it's not, uh, maybe it's not something that, uh, that you've, you've purposely studied. But I think everyone who's honest can look in their heart and say, there's a desire down there somewhere to know who I am and what is my purpose and what is the reason for all of this and, and why am I here and what am I doing here? Amen. And, and so it's a great big question. What is man? And it's been the question for, for you know, great intellectuals. It's been a question for philosophers. It's a question for theologians, great kings. But, but also shepherds, you know, uh, sitting in the mouth of a cave somewhere, looking up at the night sky and saying, God, what is this all about? And who am I? Amen. And, and so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a very human question. Amen. And, and I'm, I'm so glad today to, to just be a believer of this message. Amen. Because, you know, there's not a deep call in the human heart. Amen. That we haven't discovered by this message that there is a deep call to respond to that need. Amen. Amen. Not only is there a deep call in your heart, there's, there's a deep call in the heart of young people and it breaks my heart to see young people just struggling with this with do I have a purpose and and is my life significant and do I even matter when we know that it's a question that has an answer that is an answered question young man or young woman that deep call amen we're living in a time when there's been a deep that has responded amen and has identified you and you're under the light of a message that you can stand firm and say this is who I am I'm an eternal seed of God amen it's a deep call. Amen. But brother Brown said, and he said, here's what we want to know. We want to know where did we come from? 
And what are we doing here? And where do we go from here? And all the science that we've got and all the bones that we've dug up. Amen. And as many books as we have written, he said, there is one book. Amen. That can tell you where you come from. It can tell you what you are and it'll tell you where you're going. Only one book. And that is the Bible. Amen. And the, and the Bible is an open book to us today, brothers. We're not standing in Paul's day when he said we got a partial understanding. We're looking into a mirror, but it's dark and we can't quite see. There is a light that has come in the evening time to shine upon the mirror of the word. And you can have an experience with God's word. Amen. That can so identify you. A light can so shine in your life till there be no question left in your heart of who you are. It's an age of awakening, an age of recognition. Amen. We are living in the hour. Paul said there's a perfection coming and we're living in the hour of that perfection. Amen. Our light has come. It's put a mirror for you. It's trying to show you who you are. The question has been answered, brother, sister. I'm just so happy this morning to be a believer of this message because I'm not standing here wondering if my life has any meaning. I'm not tossed to and fro and, and wondering if life has any significance. I don't need to run to some guru and get under some man's influence to take me through 12 steps to perfection and help me discover myself. I found myself in the message of the hour. I'm an identified son of God. When I look up at the moon and the stars, I know by an oracle of God that the one that created those stars had me in the back part of his mind when he spoke them into existence. That's why with this message, I don't get hung up on all this petty stuff. Amen. Long hair don't bother me. Amen. Christian, uh, uh, Christian testimony don't bother me. Not wearing shorts doesn't bother me. Amen. Not acting like the world doesn't bother me. I'm way deeper than that. We're dealing with purpose. We're dealing with meaning. We're dealing with who we are. Identity, friends. It's the answer. This message is the answer to all the man's questions. It's the answer to the devil's question. And God did not send a prophet, amen, amen, to just give us a, you know, uh, to make a bunch of theologians out of us. Amen. And who is this Melchizedek? Brother Brandon will tell you what this message is all about. Now, I've studied who is this Melchizedek and... You know, and I just honestly from a, just theologically trying to understand all the things Brother Bram's teaching about the Logos and the Godhead and theophany and all of those things. Amen. But, but you know, when you approach this message and you do what Brother Bram told you, when you put your name in there, right. when you put yourself in there, you get something different out of it. Right. And who is this Melchizedek, Brother Bram said? Now he said, who is this Melchizedek but God? And watch now he says, we see here plainly. The complete secret of our lives in journey and death and where we go after we die and also predestination is in plain view. Now he said, listen as we teach this, the eternal purpose, oh my, that he had in secret has now been revealed. Amen. Has now been revealed. This message isn't about a whole bunch of deep mysteries. The greatest mystery that the message can reveal to you is the truth about who you are. Amen. It's not a bunch of theology about, you know, the Logos and the, and the Godhead. And, uh, uh, but the revelation of a theophany is that you have one. You have one. And you've heard from it and it's identified who you are. Amen. I don't believe God sent a prophet to make a bunch of intellectual theologians of us. Amen. I don't believe a, a phrase that I like. I don't believe the bride of Christ is a slightly better church with slightly better doctrine. 
Amen. I don't believe, you know, we just got, we're like a Baptist, but we got a little bit better uh, worship. We're not a Pentecostal that's got a little bit better church order. Amen. Our prophet was not a reformer. He was a restorer. Amen. He's taking us back to the faith of the Pentecostal fathers. In fact, he's rolled it all the way back to Eden. Amen. Where a man or a woman can stand and know who they are as a child of God and walk with him and talk with him in a garden experience. Amen. Amen. This message is not about, you know, coming here in intellectual service, you know, and go out in the parking lot and swap quotes and try to blow someone's mind and prove how spiritual you are by how much that you know, friends. Uh, amen. I, I don't, I, I, I'm with Brother Ronnie. I, I, I'm with the Lord. I hate a powerless religion, friends. I didn't come here to play church this morning. Amen. But a Yankee boy came down to play the part of William Sherman. And I'm here, amen, to preach like I'm William Sherman. And this is the last church in Atlanta. Let's burn it down, brother. Amen. Let the fire fall. Brother Branham spoke of the Laodicean rebuke. God said to this last age, you got more Bibles than ever, but you're not doing anything about this word. All you want to do is divide it and hack it into pieces. Take what you want. Leave what you don't want. But you're not, he said, you're not interested in living it, but debating it. Amen. Amen. Unfortunately, that's a good description of a lot of our message churches. But friends, spit that lukewarm religion out. I'm so tired of this one's idea and that one's teaching. And in our church, we believe it this way. And this is the way our old bishop used to tell about it. Amen. For I, we've had decades and decades around this message of private interpretations about the word. And this one's opinion. And that one's opinion. And decades of private interpretation has brought forth nothing but a bunch of churches. Split churches and broken fellowship and false doctrine, friend. I don't want a private interpretation. I'm looking for a personal revelation of this word Brother Bram said what is the new birth it is the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you there is no substitute for a personal experience with God the new birth is when this message is not the creed that they teach at your church but it becomes the truth of your life it becomes your identity it becomes the nature living on the inside of you the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you what does that mean brother Nathan Look at the contrast. Brother Ben said, not you joined a church. Now, if you're going to join a church, this is a good church to join. Amen. But you're not going to get to heaven by joining Evening Light. Amen. Not you shook a hand. Not you did something different. Not you said a creed or young people. It's not that you promised to live by a code of rules. But Christ, the Bible, is the word revealed to you. Amen. Amen. And then it's no matter what anybody says, it's Christ in you. That is the revelation that the church was built upon. Amen. Amen. That's, that is the revelation this church is built upon. Peter's revelation was on this wise, that, that Jesus asked them a question. He said, who do you say that I, the Son of Man, am? And all that the church of God had was a bunch of some say. And that's all we got today. In many places, there's a bunch of some say, well, this one teaches and that one said and this one preached it. And, and some say this and some say that. Amen. But he said, who do you say? Who do you say? 
Amen. Well, he said, uh, uh, but Peter rose up with a revelation that joining a church didn't give him. Amen. He grew up in the message. He spent decades under good teaching. His teacher wasn't a false teacher. It was Jesus Christ. But there had to come a day when something that flesh and blood couldn't give him dropped into Peter's heart. Amen. Something burning on the inside. You are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. That's what this message has to be to you. Amen. It's got to be a personal revelation. Drop from heaven into your soul. Say, this is the truth. Amen. This is who I am. And watch what that revelation will do. It'll turn around and say, yes, I am the Christ. But you're Peter and the same revelation amen of this message that will reveal that this message is Jesus Christ it will turn back around and reveal who you are you're Peter you're a rock you're my bride and I'm building a church in Laodicea hallelujah that's the revelation it was built on brother Brandon said talk about Peter he said now Peter didn't say well my church my church Amen. He said, my church has nothing to do with it. It is an individual. One person. He said, all hell is against this teaching. This teaching. We got a lot of teaching around the message. Hell ain't worried about. But hell is against an individual. Amen. Coming to the revelation of who they are by this word. All hell, he said, is against this truth, but it is the truth. Amen. You realize that all powers of this world, amen, are against you Amen. Recognizing who you are. Cultural powers. Hollywood. Amen. Is, is pumping out entertainment by the hour to distract you from the revelation of who you are. Amen. Political powers. Amen. Are, are filling your hearts with outrage and fear and all these things. Why? To take your mind away. Amen. To distract you and keep you from receiving the revelation of who you are. Academic powers are filling you full of men's psychology and sexual perversion and all of these modern ways of thinking. Amen. Trying to keep you from the revelation of who you are. And above all else, religious powers are trying to bind this pride. There's an antichrist spirit riding against you to try to put you on a pew and it don't matter how good your church is as long as the as long as what the pastor's saying amen doesn't make it past your ears and drop into your heart amen all these things the culture of your church is not where it's at the politics of your church is not where it's at the academics of your creed is not where it's at your religion amen will not lead you to Christ but we must get them past the church and get them to Christ hallelujah friends amen Satan doesn't care how much you know about this message but what he fears what makes hell tremble Amen. Amen is the revelation of who you are. Satan hates revelation because he knows if the true church gets a revelation of who she is, Satan will be powerless before her. So he hates revelation. Oh, but we love it. We love it. I don't know what you think this message is. Maybe it's a church that you join. Maybe it's a lifestyle that you were raised under. It's your tradition. It's your system of beliefs. But it's more than what you think. This message is an answer to the greatest questions. 
It's an answer. It's a, it's a deep response. Amen. From before the throne of God. Amen. All these things, you know, and, and the devil likes to get in the minds of people and think, you know, because of the way a lot of teachers have, have presented it, they say, well, you know, if you just study it 50 years and maybe get to my level, then maybe you'll get somewhere. Amen. It's the same kind of false teaching that'll take this open word and bury it under a bunch of mystery and a bunch of theology and a bunch of private interpretations, friends. But amen. I thank God for true teaching. Amen. Which has recognized that a mystery is a previously hidden truth. It's not withheld from you. This message is your message. These truths are your truths. These mysteries are your mysteries. There's not a man or a woman or a boy or a girl or a child who's got a desire to recognize who they are that is not a candidate to receive this revelation. Amen. It's not, you know, uh, don't be afraid of it. Don't be afraid of theophany. Don't be afraid of Logos. Don't be afraid of, of all these things. Amen. I want you to, you say, well, I don't understand all these things. But just put yourself in the shoes of Moses. Amen. If we could just go on a journey for a moment. In the shoes of Moses or the lack thereof as he climbed up that mountain. And he removed his shoes to walk on that holy ground. And here was a man, amen, who had, who, who had a mind of ignorance. Amen. The God that was whirling on the top of that mountain in a pillar of fire was a mysterious God to Moses. Amen. He didn't understand him. He didn't know what he was all about. And how vulnerable is it to be a human being like Moses? Amen. With no shoes, crawling up the volcanic rock of that mountain, blood running out from his feet, like, a, like an insect crawling up the toe of a giant. Amen. Vulnerable, human, lowly. Amen. Not worthy. Amen. As John said, no man has seen the father at any time, but here's Moses scrambling up the mountain under the awesome presence of the inscrutable, mysterious, supernatural God that created the world. How small we feel, how lowly we are, truly not worthy of God's attention. And yet there was a desire in the heart of a prophet. There's a desire in the heart of a, of a human being when he clambered to the top of that mountain. He said, God, I know that I'm unworthy, but I can't help this desire burning on the inside of me. Lord, I want to see your glory. I want to understand you. I want to know what you're all about. Amen. And here's Moses and the grace of God. Amen. Uh, lifted Moses up, put him in the cleft of the rock. Amen. He said, Moses, I'm going to pass by you and I'm going to give you an understanding. Amen. And as that fire came whirling past, amen, Moses looked and Moses knew who that was. Moses is the one who wrote the words. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And so he knew that was the one that was God in his glorified form that stepped out at the beginning and said, let there be light. And Moses stood there. Amen. And watch as the fire whirled past his face and God showed him his glory. And what did he see? He saw a man. He saw a man. And I wonder if it really clicked in the mind of Moses at that time, the significance of that. Because when God showed Moses his true form, amen. And when God revealed his glory to Moses, he took the form of the man. And if that's what he looked like, that's what he looked like when he said, let there be light. And if God, amen, if God would take the form of a man, even in his glorified deity state, friends, then he must have had something in mind for the human race. Amen. He must have had something in mind for you. He must have been thinking about you. Amen. Because he took your form. You could have never crawled up the mountain and spoke to God. But it was God beckoned you up. God raised you out of Laodicea. That he could whisper his love secrets in your ear. Tell you who you are. 
He's got a purpose for humanity, friends. That's what we want. We want to see his glory. We want to understand him, not just have a church relationship, friends. I want to see his glory. I want to glorify his name. Amen. They got a saying in the churches today. You've heard it said. You've heard it sung. I was created to praise the Lord. I was created to praise the Lord. And you forget, and I'll take correction on this if I'm mistaken, but I've never found it said just like that in the Bible. And not the way that, you know, our mega churches and things believe it today. When they say, I'm created to praise the Lord, you know what that means. That means they believe their whole purpose in life is to come to church on Christmas and Easter and, and, and just, you know, sing the group songs and just participate and, you know, and praise the Lord and say good things about the Lord. And that's their whole purpose in life. That doesn't ring true to a son of God. Amen. Because, I, uh, that, because you, you're not going to find that type of a Christianity in the scripture. I, I, I got news for you. He's got legions of angels to praise him. And I'm, they're better singers. Now, them and Brother Phil might be right about equal. But, but, but for most of us, they're better. Amen. And now, now, see, he's got angels to praise him. So it's not praise that God's lacking. But what the word says, he said, he said in Isaiah 43 that he would gather his seed from the east and from the west. That he would bring his children from the north and the south. And everyone that's called by his name. Amen. He said, I created him. I formed him. I made him for my glory. You've got a purpose that goes beyond praise, goes beyond singing songs and attending church and paying your tithes. You were created to glorify God. Amen. That was the ministry of Jesus Christ was to glorify the Father. Amen. Amen. What does a son do? He glorifies the Father. Amen. Now, some of you, a lot of you know Brian Erickson and hi from my parents, by the way. But if you never met Brian Erickson, but, but, but when you meet me, you're going to find out about him. Amen. You're going to find out that, well, maybe there's something you like about Brother Nathan. I, I just like that characteristic. Well, it testifies that there's a good father somewhere that instilled some attributes in a son. Amen. And so when you see the son, when you, when you see the life of the son, when you have fellowship with the son, then you understand the father. Amen. And, and you know, great is the mystery of godliness, but, but it's not so complicated to understand. Amen. The deity of Jesus Christ. When you realize the heart of God, amen. God became a son. Amen. Because, and, I, and, I, and I just, maybe you're not, you haven't quite got there yet, but I can't help my excitement right now. I feel like John who said no man has seen the father at any time. He's a mystery. We can't understand him. He's higher than we are. But that word became flesh. And he spoke to us and we could hear him and see him and touch him. That was the ministry of Jesus Christ. Amen. The life of the son glorified the attributes of the father. Jesus said, father, glorify thy name. And he said, I have glorified it and I'll do it again. That's why you can't make Jesus Christ one-third of the Trinity. Amen. And chop God into three pieces. Because all that was in God, he poured into Christ. And he fulfilled every attribute of God. Brother Bram told the rabbi, he said, look, look, rabbi, what relation will the Messiah be to God? And that Jew knew you can't chop God into three pieces. So he said, here's what it is. He'll be God. He'll be God. All that's in God, he will pour into the Messiah, and the Messiah will be God. Well, I've got a question for you, Evening Light Tabernacle. In the light of this evening message, amen, in the light of this open word, what relation will the bride be to Christ? Who are you anyway? Who 
Who are you anyway? Are you going to take the Holy Ghost and chop that into one third of the Godhead? All that was in God, he poured into Christ. And all that was in Christ, he has poured into this bride. She is him. Bone of his bone. Flesh of his flesh. Spirit of his spirit. Power of his power. Amen. That's why I just don't understand it. Amen. When people get mad because we want to have a youth camp and get people born again, get people delivered, lay hands on the sick so that they can recover. I'll tell you what, we'll get mad at that. It's the same spirit of cessation. Amen. That stood up and fought F.F. Bosworth. And he only needed one question to defeat that spirit. He said, do the seven compound names of Jehovah apply to Jesus Christ? And he couldn't say yes, because if so, then he's a healer. And he couldn't say no, then he wouldn't be a savior. But, oh my, but, but all seven compound names apply to Jesus Christ. And that's why I believe that all seven compound names belong to the bride of Jesus Christ. If she's the bride of Jesus Christ, she has his ministry. She has his attributes. She's identified by his characteristics. She's got all nine spiritual gifts. She's not lacking anything. She's a fully dressed and powerful bride of Jesus Christ. She's him. Amen. Why hold these camp meetings? Why hold these prayer lines? Why are you telling all these testimonies? You're trying to vindicate yourself. I'm not trying to vindicate myself. We're manifesting ourselves. We're not vindicating. We're manifesting. Friends, amen. Jesus said, if you don't believe me, even if you don't believe me, if you can't trust my honesty, you can't trust my integrity, believe the words. Because the works that I do testify that I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Amen. <sighs> Amen. Those people, you know, they love Jesus Christ. Amen. When he healed the sick. They loved him when they raised the dead. But when he began to preach, I and my Father are one, they hated it. They separated from him. They couldn't take it. Amen. But what a thrice blinded. Amen. What a cursed generation we're living in. They have people that claim to believe this message. And they're trying to teach I and my Father are one. But when he heals the sick, they reject it. When he raises the dead, they reject it. You've been snuffed out by the winds of Perugia. To preach the personal presence of Jesus Christ and take the power out of the church. Brother Bram said when that pillar of fire came in the room, he said, even though I've seen it since I was a little boy, in that presence of God, it alarms me. I become scared. Amen. How can we preach the presence of Jesus Christ? How can we preach, amen, the presence of the pillar of fire and strip our churches of every emotion, strip you of every feeling? I believe, amen, when you come into the presence of God, you'll feel something. I believe there will be a reaction. I believe in the atmosphere of his presence. This third pole can't be imitated. Can't be imitated. They can try to teach it intellectually, but you can't imitate it. It can't be publicly received. It's not what you know. The third pole will never be what you know. It can only be who you are. It can only be who you are. That's where I believe the bride of Christ has come to. We're not trying to manufacture anything. We're just, this is just who we are. We're just manifesting ourselves. It's just who we are. Some intellectuals say, well, yeah, but Brother Nathan, you don't need to shout. But I do need to shout. Because I'm just being who I am. 
Amen. I've got a great mystery for you about why we sing and why we shout. Amen. Uh, it's a great mystery. Brother, brother, brother Phil, amen, uh, uh, revealed it to the church last night. I sing because I'm happy. I shout because I'm happy. This is who I am. I've got to be myself or I'd be dishonest before God. This message excites me. It is my passion. It is my identity. It is my joy. It is my power. It's who I am. That's who I am. Well, be yourself, Brother Nathan. Just don't embarrass me. Just don't embarrass me. I don't know what you're going to do with me. You're going to have to put me in the attic with a geography book. Amen. But I'm going to be who I am. Amen. Oh, you don't have to dance and, and make such a scene. Well, look, you know, hey, you got scripture for that. That's a scriptural type. When David had a restored word, amen, he danced. And sure enough, there was a critic. That's why we can't get away from them. There's got to be a critic. But listen, you fulfill your type, I'll fulfill mine. I can't be my type. There's a dance in my feet. Amen. When the light of this word, amen, unlocks the, the deep call to the deep and whispers these love secrets in my ear, I get happy. Ronnie preached last night that this light is not a manufactured, uh, intellectual, modern, artificial, electric light, but the light of this word is a fire. It is a fire. And when this word came to me, it was a fire shut up in my bones, and it's still burning today. Amen. I can't hold it back. If I didn't preach this message, I think I'd die because it's burning me up. It's trying to get out. When I... The well, first time I cracked the pages of Christ, the mystery of God revealed what happened to me. My heart burned within me. And this message is a burning thing to me. It's got fire in it. It's got warmth. It's got passion. It's got power. Amen. Amen. People try to say, well, the opening of the word did away with all that stuff. That, anything that moves or anything that shouts, that's Pentecostal. Friends, you're too late to sell me some kind of, some kind of a, a, a formal, starchy, powerless religion. I already bought some gold that was tried in the fire. It's been trial tested. It's been flame scorched. It's been purified in the earth seven times. Amen. And I'm not, I'm not here to play church. Amen. Hey Amen. As these brothers have been preaching, you know the story that Hebrew children shows you that the only thing the fires of the devil can do is set you free. And I just got to think this morning, if the fire of Satan could set somebody free, what would happen if we could bring the fire of God into the building this morning? If the pillar of fire would come amongst us, what kind of a liberty would we have? What kind of a freedom? What kind of deliverance? What kind of power? What kind of worship? My God answers with fire. Elijah's God answers with fire. People try to make this message into some formal, powerless system of beliefs. Well, if you can, if, as long as you can explain the seventh seal and the third pole and all those things, you're born again. That's nothing but a creed. That's nothing but a creed. That is Jezebel religion. I don't care if you belong to the best message church there is. Amen. As long as you're under the, under the uh, uh, illusion that an intellectual knowledge of this message will put you in a rapture, you're nothing more than a denomination. you got to come out of her. Come out of her. That Jezebel religion. 
Amen. I wish somebody, you know, that when the king rolled up to that palace and looked up at that Jezebel, amen, she was surrounded by a bunch of eunuchs. That's what Jezebel religion does to a young man. Emasculates him and robs him of his strength, robs him of his life, takes a young lady and tries to tell her that her natural beauty is not even enough, but her default state has got to be a painted up artificial clown of Laodicea. I wish somebody would answer the shout of a king today. Amen. When he looked up at that Jezebel, he said, if there's anyone up there who's with me, throw her down. If I were you, I'd throw down my former religion. I'd throw down my religious traditions. I'd throw down my creed and run to where I could meet Jesus Christ by a personal experience. Throw her down. Brother Bram said, if we're the attributes of God, we can't live by creeds. We must live by the word. And what is that word, bride? The manifestation of this hour. The bride, not a creed or denomination, but she's a living oracle of God, a living attribute of God. She's displaying to this world the attributes of God in the ministry of a prophet. No. She's displaying the attributes of God in the formation of the bride. If you want to see where God's manifesting his word today, don't look anywhere else than the bride of Jesus Christ. And if she's not manifesting Christ, look somewhere else because it's not the bride. The manifestation of this hour. Brother Bram said there is to be a spiritual bride. What a day to be living in. There's to be a spiritual bride come on the scene in the last days. And the time and the place is a promise that's given her. Well, Brother Nathan, what if we, let, what if we drop the ball on this message? What if, we, what if the preachers don't preach it right? What if the people don't believe it? What if everyone walks away and it all falls apart? Friends, the time and the place of this manifestation is a promise given to this bride. Amen. God, by his holy, amen, absolute word, amen, has, has set before you a clear path. He has opened a door before you. He's saying, step into it. Step into your commission. Amen. You are to be the bride of Jesus Christ. You, I, I don't care how you feel. You are the invincible army of God. This time and this place is a promise that's given to you. There's the rise of message. You'll turn the hearts back to the apostolic father. Amen. But we got so many that are looking for some other time and some other place, friends. When are we ever going to get there? Amen. They're still wandering around the mountain of God sent a prophet. Amen. But I'm not wandering today. I'm in my land. I'm under a Joshua commission. I am here to fulfill the prophecy of Moses. Not just believe it. Not just tell stories about it. Amen. I'm the fulfillment of it. If not now, then when? Tell me that. If not now, then when? If not, if not us, then who? Tell me. Amen. Brother Bram said they're looking around saying, fast, pray, fast, pray. They're looking for a great awakening. Looking for a great awakening. And he, they already missed the awakening of the bride. Brother Bram didn't put that out in the future. He said they have missed this awakening. Amen. A prophet has identified to you that currently we are in the hour. This is the time and this is the place of the awakening of the bride. Don't look for some future. Amen. Don't wait for a short, quick work. God is right here working. Amen. Amen. 
They miss the awakening of the bride. You got people that, that are intellectual to a T and they want to call you a Pentecostal because you got worship, to call you a Pentecostal because you got joy. And they say, well, we'll have all that when the revival comes. We'll, we'll get all that when the sweep comes. You're getting ahead of God's program. That's Brother Branham's very definition of a Pentecostal. Amen. As somebody who's crying out for some great awakening, they're still fasting and praying and they'll be fasting and praying when the rapture's already gone. But we're not waiting, friends. We're living this bride's revival. It's here. It's amongst us. You are the bride's revival. Wake up. Recognize the awakening of the bride. Those Pentecostals, they're still, you know, they're still telling stories about Azusa Street. Amen. I read a book one time. It was the children of Azusa Street. It was the, it was the, the stories and testimonies of people who were, who were just children. They're on Azusa Street in that tabernacle. And they talked about how the pillar of fire came down over that building and it went up and down in the sky and the whole city saw that pillar of fire go up and down over Azusa Street. Amen. And it actually, they talk about the Shekinah glory. Amen. Would come into that place like a cloud until you couldn't even see. And what really struck me is young people talked about, they said it was so thick in that building that little children played hide and seek in the Shekinah glory. And now they're asking themselves, where did it go? Where is it? Where is that pillar of fire? Where is that Shekinah glory? And they're waiting for it. They're looking for it. They're searching and fasting. They're good people, but they're looking for it. Why? Because they missed it when it left Azusa Street and it materialized over the head of a prophet in Houston and vindicated a message for this day. And they did not recognize God's vindication. And so they're looking for an awakening that's already occurred. Amen, friends. And why don't they see it today? Because I don't believe it's just over the head of a prophet today. But I believe as it was on the day of Pentecost when the pillar of fire busted itself up in the licks of fire. Amen. That that pillar of fire that appeared over my prophet is now tabernacled in the temples of the many-membered body of Jesus Christ. The pillar of fire is here. Amen. Last night that Shekinah glory was all through this building. And the world didn't see it. The newspapers didn't see it. But we recognize the presence of God. That's who we are. We're the flame touch pillar of fire identified. Amen. Cloud led. The children of the living God. We're not Pentecostals. Amen. We're the original. We're not Pentecostal by denomination. We are the original pillar of fire. The original life. The original seed. Brother Nathan, I wonder, I just wonder what that apostolic church looked like. Look around. That's what I'm trying to preach to you. Look around. I wonder what it looked like on Pentecost. Look around. What will the rapture look like? Look in a mirror. Look in a mirror. The rapture looks good on you. It's becoming to you. Brother Bram said, recognizing your day, the bride is ready. But I don't feel, Nathan, I don't feel, Brother Nathan, ready at all. Well, too bad. Forget your perception. Stay with this word. The bride is ready. The rapture is at hand. That's a prophet talking to you. He said, you're ready. How will you ever feel ready to marry this bridegroom, but you're ready? He said you were ready. How do you ever feel worthy to take a rapture? 
but your rapture ready. The rapture is at hand. He said, the next thing I see in order for the bride is a rapture. But can we actually believe that? Now, here's where it's got to be the revelation of Jesus Christ personally to you. Brother Bram said, can we actually believe that? Or is it a story that's been told? I want you to think about this soberly. Is it a myth to us? Is it something that just sounds real? Is it just something that outside we can believe? Or is it something that's in us? It's part of us. It's more than life to us. What attitude do we sit in this morning in this tabernacle? Oh, but Brother Nathan, we're not ready. We're waiting for a squeeze to come so we can manifest the third pole and get out of here and all those things. My prophet said the bride's ready. Amen. Well, first, Brother Nathan, I need to understand all these secret mysteries and I got to come to all these great revelations. Here's the secret. The word is in the bride. The word is in the bride. You tell me a higher mystery than Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen. What more important thing could God have to tell to you than to, that you could know personally by a revelation that the God that created the world is tabernacled in you and he has selected you out of all the dust of this earth to be his dwelling place? You are special to him. I wish that people sometime could just sit in the shoes of a preacher sometime and feel what this anointing feels like. It feels like such a great love for God's children. And if a preacher could feel love like this, how much more does, a, does, a, does our father God love his little children and they are precious to him and they are significant in his sight I gotta understand these mysteries here's the secret the word is in the bride amen deity's not in heaven where is it somebody gotta say that's me that's who I am that's who I am that's my identification but we, oh, friends, you got to recognize your day and its message. Everybody knows we're living in the end time. It's in the air. It's in the atmosphere. I've got coworkers who aren't even Christians. Amen. will come and have conversation. Brother Nathan, it feels like it's all falling apart. Just seems like it's all coming to an end. They recognize the day, but they haven't recognized the message. But we got a whole lot of people around this message. Amen. Who have recognized the day. They've recognized the sign. They've recognized the prophet, but they haven't recognized the message. And what is the message? You are the message. You're the masterpiece. You're the mighty God unveiled. You're the oddball. You are the rapture. And I challenge somebody to believe it. I challenge you to purpose in your heart and say, that's me. That's who I am. It's more than life to me. It's more than life to me. We got young men, young women wrestling like Jacob wrestled. As Ronnie brought it out last night, wrestling, looking at all these Esau's around here. Amen. Who look like they got it all put together. And Jacob had to wrestle with that his whole life, feeling like a fraud, feeling like an imposter, feeling like he'd never belong, feeling like he'd never make the cut. And you know what? He was right. He never was the firstborn. Amen. He, he, it, it, was a, it was a deception, he believed, that caused him to cross the prophet's hand. Amen. He, his very name meant deceiver. That's exactly who he was. That's why he was wrestling with God, wrestling with God, saying, God, I feel like a fraud, but I want something real. I'm hungering after that birthright. Amen. Not knowing that it would be put in the scripture. 
Amen. Uh, hundreds of years later, amen, Paul would say in Romans 9, Jacob have I loved and Esau have I hated. Amen. God's hands didn't get crossed. It was not an accident that selected Jacob over Esau and neither did God get his hands crossed up when he chose you to believe this message. You're not going to fall. He's not going to lose you. Brother Silas, how could he lose you? How could he ever let go of you when you are part of him? I've lived long enough in this message to grow up with a whole lot of Esau's that look like they had it put together. And they're not here today. Some of them are atheists. Some of them don't believe this message. But let me tell you about some Jacob. The ones you never want to give a chance. You never want to hell out hope. But here you are. Because Jacob's not even your name. You're not a deceiver. You're a prince. Hallelujah. You've had a name change. You're royalty. Amen. You're a royalty. These people were put in the Bible to tell your story. You're the one it's all about. Every type in this Bible is describing the bride of Jesus Christ. They lived their life. They had their experiences. They went through turmoils. Amen. To live out a story that would tell of you. Say, Brother Nathan, I, I wish I would have been a Ruth, but I'm a Rahab. I was out in this. I was out in that. Friends, that's why Rahab's in there. Amen. Someone came out of the world, got mixed up in a whole bunch of stuff. Amen. They never, they never had a chance to begin with. They never had an advantage in their life. And they went through some hard times. But they're in there. You're part of that scarlet thread. You are attached to that story of redemption. Rahab told your story. Some of you never known anything but the inside of a message church. And you fought those religious devils all your life. Do I even have the Holy Ghost? Or do I just have religion? Is this a real? Do I really have it? Do I don't? Amen. All those things. Amen. But you're a Ruth. Amen. And you're in there. You are in there. Ruth told your story. Rahab told your story. Friends, you're part of it all. I was preaching along these lines at home. My opening text was those genealogies of Matthew 1. I was too cowardly to do it today. But you've been going to read down these names, you know, and this one beget that one, and that one beget this one. And some of those names you recognize. Some of them you don't. Because a lot of those people lived lives that were so unremarkable. They were so insignificant to human thinking that, that, that the only place you'll find them in the Bible is in that genealogy. But they're in there. But they're in there, friends. You know why? Because there had to be a David. And there absolutely, positively, sovereignly, without fail, had to be a son of David. So there had to be an Abinadab. And, and there had to be, and there had to be a, Na, a, a, a Nason and a, and a Mathan. And there had to be all of these people because there had to be a son of David. And so it doesn't matter if you think they're significant. God thinks they're significant because he's looking at that seed on the inside. He's going to protect that. He's going to guard that. It's significant to him. That's why he tabernacled. That's why he put it in the scripture. So we remember for all time that this name was part of this. And God's got your name on his book. Amen. Because they're absolutely, positively, sovereignly, without fail, has to be a rapture. And before there's a rapture, they're absolutely, positively, sovereignly, without fail, has to be a son of man ministry operating in the bride of Jesus Christ. So there has to be a you. There has to be. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Every aspect of their lives were significant. They went through sickness. They went through war. They went through struggles. They went through loss. They suffered grief. Amen. But every bit of it was significant because God was watching that seed. Because God had a purpose in mind. Amen. That's why everything that happens in your life matters. Young man, young woman. Amen. Where you go to school matters. The person that you marry matters. Your daily life matters. Your struggles matter to God. You matter. Say it with your own words. I matter. You matter to God. You matter to God. You've got a purpose. Every member of this bride has, this, has a purpose, friends. You have a purpose. You have a purpose. You are God's purpose. The threefold purpose of God was to take everything that was in Jesus Christ and pour it into this bride. Now, you don't have the fullness of the Godhead in your body. But when you get us together... You bring those licks of fire together, friends, it produces nothing less than Jesus Christ on earth in the flesh. You say, well, Brother Nathan, some of you feel like it's all big preachers living this thing. And it's all, you know, it's all the, the, what we might call the great ones amongst us. And that's all that it is, you know. And, and well, you know, uh, Brother Nathan, I, I, I don't have a ministry. I don't have a calling. It's this one. It's that one that I look to and this hero of the faith. And friends, but listen, uh, uh, let, me, let me just share from you from my heart. And, and you know, my ministry is humble. Amen. I, and that's, that's fine by me. Amen. But you could, you could even take away my ministry. Take away my calling. Take every gift out of Nathan Erickson and strip me down until I'm just, whatever this means, just a regular member of the bride of Jesus Christ. Don't let me greet at the door. Don't let me sweep the carpet. Just make me a member of the bride of Jesus Christ. Amen. Then let me tell you where my heart is. Let me tell you what this message means to me. If I'm a member of the bride of Jesus Christ, I am the reason God raised up Tim Pruitt. I am the reason God raised up Ray Erickson. I'm the reason God raised up Wayne Lawson. I am the reason God raised up Ron Spencer. Amen. I don't have a complex toward these men. These are my heroes. But God must have thought something special about me to raise up a man named Tim Pruitt to hold a youth camp that a, that a starchy northern Yankee boy could come down from Michigan and get free to praise the Lord. You are the reason. The very word minister is a servant. That's what we're here to do, to serve the bride of Jesus Christ. Because she is the ultimate in God's mind. You're the object of his affection. You're the apple of his eye. You're the desire of his heart. I am the reason God sent a prophet. I am the one that he saw beyond the veil. I'm the one he saw robed in white. I'm the one he saw take that book. I'm talking about you. That's who you are. this book you'll find out who you really are you'll find out that you're not insignificant but you're here with a purpose you are here to do something you are here to be something every single one of you 
Amen. Hallelujah. You will understand what man is and what he's here to do and what God thinks about you. But don't look into this mirror, this word. Don't go out from this sermon and be like James told you not to be. Don't look into this mirror and walk away and forget what you look like. Don't forget what you look like. Every message that Brother Brandon preached was trying to bring this revelation to you. Of who you are. Of who you are. Don't forget what you look like. Don't forget who you are. But Brother Nathan, I got these struggles. I'm in these situations. I'm fighting these battles. Well, you're right where David was. David didn't get it all right. Hey, man, David, David, you know, he sinned so great when he killed Uriah and took another man's wife. Amen. And, when, and, and he was so caught up in it that when the prophet came and corrected him, he didn't even recognize who he was. Did, couldn't even see himself in the reflection. Oh, my, and what a, what a great sin that it was. But I thank God for a message of grace. Amen. Brother Brand preached a message of grace. He said that, you know what that was? Did, he said, did you notice? Amen. When Nathan told him that story, that rich man didn't kill that lamb for himself. He killed it for a traveler. He killed it for a visitor. Amen. He said, and that visitor was David's passions. And that is why David could commit a horrible act like that, but still be a man after God's own heart. Because that wasn't him, it was his passions. That was that sin body that he was born into. But he was a child of God. He was anointed of God. And so God couldn't impute it to him. Blessed is the man to whom God does not impute sin. Friends, young man, that thought that comes to your mind, that makes you stumble, that's not who you are. It's a visitor. You think that it's you. You're questioning if you have the Holy Ghost, but you're born in sexual passions. And so there's a traveler that comes to your door, but don't listen to him. Don't build him a nest. But whatever you do, don't you identify with him because it's not you. You are a justified bride of Jesus Christ. And if you are justified, there must have been something you did in the first place. But it's as if you never did it. It's a traveler. It's a visitor. Amen. Satan comes to a young lady. Amen. It makes her, gets her discouraged, gets her down real low. Amen. And instead of saying, well, I'm battling depression. I'm battling suicide. I'm struggling with discouragement. She begins to say, I am depression. The devil works on her till she say, I am suicide. I am discouragement. Amen. I, I am these things. No, you are not. You are not anxiety. You are not fear. You are not, you are not complexes. You are not. You are the bride of Jesus Christ. You are a child of God. You sprung from the loins of Jehovah. You were in his mind from eternity unto eternity. Without you, he's not even God. You are, a, you are an aspect of his perfection. You are carrying his attributes. How could God attribute sin to you? Amen. When he took it all on himself. Blessed is the bride to whom God will not impute sin. You've had a name change. I know there's a whole lot of sin attached to the name that you were born with. And we could go down, if we told the story of your life or my life, I wouldn't want the story of my life played here for everybody to read. Amen. But that's not my story. 
because I'm not Nathan Erickson. I've had a name change. There's been a marriage. I am identified with a different nature. Amen. Oh, he had to become my sin, and what a horrible thing it was. But what a glorious truth to know that just as much as he became my sin, I became his righteousness. And if he's holy, I'm holy. If he's righteous, I'm righteous. If he's good, I'm good. Everything that speaks of the bridegroom speaks of this bride. That's who I am. A name change. I'm coming down now shortly to a close. Amen. But I just want to take you somewhere in the scripture. Amen. And identify you. Amen. You're, 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 some of you, I know you got your struggles, you got your background, and we're all at different situations in our life. But I want to identify you in the scripture. I want to take you to a place. You're a, you're a young lady who woke up one morning, like every other Sunday morning, she went down to the well. She had no great expectations. She was really so distracted in the circumstances of her life. She wasn't really even thinking much about it, just going through the routine, just going through the motions. She went down to that well, and there was a strange man, strange man there. You know, and he didn't get in a big hurry. He took some time to just deal with her. He began to deal with her heart. So he had a message to get across with her, but he wanted her to know it was important to him to just feel her out. Just, just, she was important to him. Yeah. He didn't just come and preach her a sermon and get out. Right. He began to fellowship with her, began to catch her spirit. Oh, my. And he began to say to her, you know, this well that you've been drinking from, that, that, that thing... That fix you keep running back to day after day, it's not really doing it for you. It's not really satisfying. That Jezebel religion, that traditional life, all that playing church, and you know what you really are. It's not doing it for you. But he said, I've got, I've got a drink for you. I've got a message. I've got something I want to deliver just to you. Not to the Pope. Not to the priest. Not to the great, not to the denominational systems. This is to you. You. Because they wouldn't receive it. But you're in condition to receive this. This truth. This message. This glorious thing. That the one you're with now. 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 That's not your husband. That's not your name. That's not who you are. Young per person, I don't know what you're caught up in, but the one you're with now is not your husband. That's not who you are. Amen. It's not who you are to him. He's got a higher calling for you. Would you stand this morning? He's come to your well. He's come to your will.
and there's nobody there but you and him. So as we would sing, as we worship him, won't you fellowship with him? Won't you accept it? Won't you believe what the mess is trying to tell you? This is not who I'm trying to be. This is not just who I want to be. This is not just what my parents say I am, what my pastor says I am. This is who I am. This is me. Amen. I don't have a song. Amazing grace shall always be my song.
Families, oh, you'll be safe. 